You know, it really is a privilege to be with you tonight, and um, I don't just say that as something to say. Um, we were here in December. Um, if some of you remember, my husband and I shared, and we sold rugs, and we interacted with a lot of you, and I walked away with such an amazing feeling of warmth and family. Um, even though it was the first time meeting most of you, this church is a really, really special place, and I, that's probably why you come here. Um, but I've, I've been to a lot of churches um, through my years growing up, um, through speaking in different places, and I've never really felt a church to have this feeling that it, it does. So praise God for that. I'm just so glad that you get to experience that. Well, um, just a little bit of background about myself. I was born in Cincinnati, just down the road, and I grew up there. Um, my parents and sisters are still there with their families. Um, I came to faith at about 14 years of age, not about exactly 14, um, and really grew to love God and love his word and, and really want to do just whatever he wanted me to do. Um, after my college, uh, after I graduated from college, I went overseas for the first time um, for, to Russia, and then I went to China for a few years, and I just really felt like that's, that was the call of God in my life, to work cross-culturally. Um, and... I had the privilege of joining God in a number of different countries, including um, Muslim, background, Muslim countries. And besides being motivated by God's word, his spirit, and his, um, his love for the lost, um, a sentence I had heard one time repeatedly would go through my mind. Um, I want to go where no one else is willing or able to go and do what no one else is willing or able to do. And... Um, in fact, I, was, I met my husband in the Middle East, and the other day when I was telling the story to someone, he said, yeah, and you were willing to marry who no one else was willing or able to marry. <laughs> and I just laughed. You know, he's a, a Middle Easterner from a nomadic background. He wasn't a nomad. His, fam his grandfather was. But um, I said, oh, no, that's not right. Um, but when we got married, he just had about $800 and two suitcases. And it's funny, I didn't even... That wasn't even a question on my mind, and later I looked back and said, what was I doing? But God was faithful to us, and um, we didn't know each other very well, but God knew both of us. And so in trusting him, we got married in, in a little island in Istanbul, off of Istanbul, Turkey. Beautiful little service, and we just stayed in the Middle East after that. So... Um, we have two sons who are 9 and 12, and they were born overseas, and we were able to adopt a little girl. We mentioned that before when we were here, um, but for those of you who don't know, she was three and a half, and now she's six, and she's a tiny little thing, spunky, full of life, and, and loves the Lord. It's really neat to see her grow in him. So for over a decade, we joined with God in what he was doing in that country. We saw many people come to Christ, and we just got to join with God in helping them grow and become really bold in their faith in that hostile nation. Um, you know, we also went through persecution, as some of you heard, and I'll, I'll touch on that a little bit later. But each day then and even now um, brought, brought me the same kind of challenges and struggles everybody else goes through, the normal everyday ups and downs of life and some other trials that maybe aren't so common. And I know some of you are experiencing trials um, that aren't so common to other people, but that are really, really hard. Um, what each moment also brought me as a follower of Christ was the opportunity to depend on God, to, to depend on his sustaining presence, and that's the name of our conference, um, the sustaining presence of God. It was an opportunity for him to show himself. 
you know, if everything was going along very, very easily, I wouldn't have gotten to know God that well. But through the ups and downs, I really had to press into him and depend on him. And I'm, I'm hoping that as I share, we're going to become more aware of the presence of God in our lives and realize how we respond to him makes all the difference. So let's pray together once more. Um, Lord, we love you, um, and we know that's only because you loved us first. So thank you for reaching us. Lord, you know exactly what we need to hear, and so we trust that you will speak to us. Thank you for loving us so much to want to be here with us, too. You are here, Jesus, and you are pleased that we've come. We love you. Amen. So um, during the years that we were overseas, we would come back to the U.S. every year or two to visit family and friends and churches. And every time we came back, I would marvel at all the new products that were out on the shelf, new cereals, new cool toys for my kids, and um, new technology. I mean, I'm not really into technology, but we got so excited one time when we came back and got smartphones. And... My husband and I were so excited to figure out how they worked. And I remember when I drive down to Cincinnati, I was, it was just an hour and a half, but I was so, I was sat there in the passenger seat realizing, like, amazed at how much I could do just sitting in the seat. I could check my emails. I could respond to my emails. I could check my bank accounts. I could find for my husband the, which exit had the best gas prices. And um, so you have to understand, we came from a place where the government had its hand on um, Anything that, um, like media, um, the internet, um, any ways that people in the country could get contact with people from the outside. And so, you know, our, the, the average speed for the internet here is 10.5 megabits per second. I don't know all that that means. But when I look at the number and compare where we were, it was 0.25, like less than one. The internet was so slow that we just didn't even bother using it. Um, so it was pretty exciting to have phones we could <laughs> do all that stuff driving down the road. Um, I mean, now that I'm here, I'm used to my phone. It's not such a big deal anymore, but I, I do really appreciate having a phone, and it's great to see how they, so cell phones serve people. They're often a lifeline to people in crisis or danger. In Turkey, um, with all the earthquakes, people sleep with their phones because you know you hear stories with, um, with people who've been through earthquakes who have called from underneath the rubble and be, been saved. You think of all the 911 calls when children are calling because their moms are going into labor. Um, you think of, you know, there's apps for first aid and CPR. If someone is not breathing, you can, you, you can just watch it and do CPR at the same time. And that's good because I took life saving in high school, but I forgot, like, how many presses, how much air, how's the head. So I'm glad that they have that. Um, you know, I think cell phones, how, did, how can we survive without them? How did we ever survive without them? Um, but, you know, there's negative sides to that. We depend on them so much. What happens when the battery dies? What happens when there's no reception? Um, if, we forget, if we forget our phones, um, how do we feel? There is this, I, went to, I was talking with a friend. She said, I went to eat, out to eat breakfast by myself, and I forgot my phone, and I, I didn't know what to do. I just stared at the cashier, and she said, I'm sorry I'm staring at you, but I don't know what to do. I feel lost. <laughs> um, you know, 
and sometimes when we're really upset or frustrated, we quickly call a friend or text a friend to you know, vent our feelings, or we, if we have a problem like our child has a rash, you know, I know me, look it up on the internet, try to self-diagnose um, things. But the problem is sometimes we can get conflicting or incorrect information um, or unhelpful, unhelpful information. And, you know, what I really need to do if my child has a rash is to go to a person who can help them, a person who's qualified, like a doctor. Um, and even this dependence on cell phones really hit me the day God showed me whose place this phone was taking in my life. Um, I realized that at times I was more attentive to the beeps and the alerts on my phone than I was to the Holy Spirit. I was like, God, I'm sorry about that. I need to be listening to you. You, you tell me what I'm supposed to do and not look and say, oh, I have to respond to these texts because someone texted me. And, um, you know, and some of us might not be involved in um, technology, interested in technology or social media, but we often turn to other things um, to get our questions answered or to satisfy those deep deep longings in our hearts, whether it's movies, whether it's um, relationships, unhealthy or healthy relationships, movies, romance novels, trying to improve our appearance, hobbies, even chocolate. M&Ms are my favorite. Um, but you know, none of these things in themselves really satisfy. We all know that. I know I could eat M&Ms and afterwards feel like, oh, I feel so gross. Why did I do that? It didn't do for me what I thought it would do. Um, you know, and they're poor substitutes for our God who is living, he's loving, he's personal, he's ever-present, and he's powerful and able. He's able to meet those needs and, and do for us what we need. Not, I don't say that do for us what we need, but meet those needs, give us the wisdom that we need, comfort us, whatever we're looking for. He's the one who can do that. And, you know, um, Bonnie, who was sharing, she, I'm just glad she shared what she said about God being jealous because I, I, as I was worshiping, I, tears came to my eyes and I felt like God wanted us all to know he's so jealous for us. Um, and the Old Testament talks about how his insides turn over within him for his people. And we often don't think about that. And jealousy we think is something bad. But his jealousy is a holy jealousy because um, and, and even in, in James, it says the Holy Spirit desires us jealously, or he jealously desires to dwell within us because he knows he's the only one who can satisfy us. And so it's really, really important to let that sink in um, because we have all sorts of views of ourselves, our worth, our value, and, and oftentimes we don't, that's not the first thing we think of when we think about God and us. So when we think about how God created Adam and Eve, you know, he created them to be in a really intimate, with nothing, no barriers between them and God. A really intimate relationship where they would be so comfortable to be themselves. And that's how they were, so free. And just who they are, however they looked. They didn't have mirrors. I mean, they could see in the reflection um, of the water. But it didn't matter. Um, they wanted, they, they were at ease and completely themselves. And they were attentive to him and responsive to him and secure in his love. And that's, how, that's what God intended for all of us. But do you know what happened? Um, Adam and Eve chose to um, choose the, their own way to do what they thought would satisfy them rather than what God said um, not to do. And, you know, this led to separation from him. We all know the story, but some of you may have never heard this, that God created you to know him. And that, that sin, which is in us too, causes separation 
which what does that lead to? We all know insecurity, fear, doubt, anxiety, um, unhealthy self-consciousness, unhealthy self-awareness, um, doubt, shame, anxiety, um, a major struggle, even we want to do what's right, we, it's so hard to do it sometimes, and ultimately death. You know, the effects of this broken relationship, for them, we also feel. We feel daily. Um, but we know that God did not abandon us because he, why did he make us? He made us to have a relationship with him. And he wouldn't let sin keep, keep us away from him. So he had a rescue plan. He talked about God rescuing. He had a rescue plan um, when we were worshiping. Um, God put on flesh. And this is my, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, John 1, 14. Um, God put on flesh and dwelt among us. You know, he, he came to us. And what does that tell you about yourself in his eyes, that he would come to this broken, sin-filled, corrupt world? And not only did he come to us and heal us and love on us, I'm talking about like when he was walking on this earth, I say us, but people, mankind, um, he, he paid the punishment for our rebellion. And he opened the way for us to come back into a right relationship with him. And it was at, on the cross that he gave his life. And we see on the cross God is love, and we see that he's just because someone had to pay for our sins. But what was the result? He opened the way. He opened the way that no one can shut at all. That's the amazing love of God that we can't live without. Um, I wanted to read a, a scripture, Hebrews 10, 19 through 23. I think it will come up on the screen. Just listen closely. Um, and so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most high, most holy place, which is the presence of God. Because of the blood of Jesus, by his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain in the most holy place, into the most holy place, excuse me. And since we have a high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. What does it say? Let us go into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. You know, when we, if you can think back when you gave your life to Christ, or if some of you are considering that, um, you can just hear what it's like. You know, that first time you understood God's love, that first time you understood, wow, he's not going to hold my sins against us. I know how, what a sinner I am. I know how many things I do wrong and think and say. Um, and it's, it's not just one time, you know, that we enter and then we kind of forget about him. He wants us to stay there. We can't go out of relationship with him, of course, but what I'm saying is staying in that presence because that's the best place for us to be. You know, when we hear, when we hear this verse, you know, we think, what is our response? Let's go. Let's go into God's presence and stay there. You know, God never leaves us, um, but sometimes we're really unaware of his presence. Why is it that once we've entered into this relationship with God, it's a restored relationship. It's been broken because of sin, but now it's restored when we say, yes, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins, and I want a relationship with you. I want your forgiveness. I want to give my life to you. I want you to be Lord. Why is it that now that we're in a restored relationship with God, we so often live without him? You know, is it because God is not present in this world today? 
there is a belief system called deism. You may have heard that before. You may have not heard that name, but you may have heard people talk about it or that concept. Um, Wikipedia says deism holds that the creator or the designer of the world does not intervene in the functions of the natural world in any way. He allows it to run by itself according to the laws of nature. Um, for deists, human beings can only know God via reason um, and the observation of nature, not by revelation, which is to us the Bible, um, not by supernatural manifestations like miracles. They can't know God that way. So according to deism, God is not personally involved in our lives. He has not revealed himself through the Bible or through Jesus or in anything supernatural like miracles. Okay, but we as followers of Christ know that's not true. And how sad for people who believe that's true um, because we can imagine how sad it is. God certainly has made himself known. He's made himself known through his word, and you've probably heard that word infallible. It means without error. His word is without error, and he has made himself known. So everything we read in the Bible about him is true. And you know sometimes we read things and we get confused, but I encourage us not to let that um, cause a distance between us and God. Just know that we will grow in understanding of God's word as we study it, as we're around other Christians who know more than we do, who understand, who um, have studied more. So don't ever let something confusing, like in the Old Testament, why does God, why did he do that? Don't let that keep you from God or put up a wall. Just know, God, I trust you, I don't understand, but I need you to open this to me. We um, know him by his spirit. When we, we, it's one of the most precious things we have is God's spirit within us. He comforts us. He convicts us of our sin, which is good, so we can repent of it and leave it. He, um, he leads us and guides us. He gives us the wisdom we need. He, he um, reminds us of what Jesus said because we forget it all the time. I do. Um, so he, we know him, and we know how real he is by his spirit, and he is thoroughly and actively involved in the lives of those who he, who is he created, in people who aren't Christians, and especially in the lives of us who do know Jesus. So I'm going to read some verses which, that talk about the presence of God, um, one right after the other. And it's, sometimes it's so good just to hear, you know, verse after verse that um, tell us about God's presence. So try to notice um, what it says about God's presence. In Isaiah 41, um, God says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Don't anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Psalm 139.7 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? Matthew 28.20, in this verse Jesus says, Go and make disciples of all nations, and surely I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. John 14, 16, and 17a, um, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit here. He said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 say, For he, who is God, he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So that we say confidently, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? 
Philippians 4.13 says, For I can do everything with the help of Christ who gives the strength I need. He doesn't send us off and say, here's your strength, go. In order to help us do everything, that means he's with us moment by moment. And lastly, Romans 8, 38 through 39. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor debt, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I mean, these are strong truths. These, are, these things are true. Sometimes we feel God in worship and then we go out and feel like, where'd he go? You know, when we experience him in worship, that's one way of experiencing him. Um, one thing that we do to experiencing him when we're giving him our praise. But things don't change when you walk out the door. These words are true. Here, they're true at home. They're true at the hospital. They're true at your children's school. He really is with us. And remember, oh, oh, also, too, besides God's word, we have our experiences. Now, when I say experiences, in our, we don't depend on our experiences and emotions to tell us um, what God is like or to define who he is or how he works. We have scripture that does that. We have the God's word. But there are many times when in, in many different ways um, that are in line with God's word, we, we experience God in the things that he does in our lives or the things that we see him do in other people's lives. Many of you have heard us here speak in December, and we talked about our season of persecution. Like I said, we were under tremendous pressure, more pressure than I'd ever experienced in my whole life. Um, we couldn't leave the country that we were being held in, and we were running out of money. We had brought a certain amount of money with us, and that was running out. We were staying in someone else's house, so we decided to sell our furniture, our refrigerator, our children's beds, our treadmill, the things that we had used all those years we were there. Um, and that gave us enough to cover about two months of living expenses. And there was a young woman who I knew well who was sharing her concern about not having enough money for college. And I said um, to a group of us, and I said, well, I can give you $300. And she said, well, how can you do that? You guys need that money. And I said, you know, I'm, I'd be happy to give it to you. And I knew that God would somehow provide because he, he kept providing and providing for us. He had proven himself. I knew, according to his character, he would provide. So I gave her the money, um, trusting him. About two days later, one of my friends showed up, and she said, I brought a gift for you from someone. This person who had given her this gift to give to us was a believer, but he had been too afraid to come around our house thinking that we were under surveillance. He might get caught. And his father was, famous, was well known in that city for owning lots of land, and so um, he didn't want to risk it. But guess what the gift was? $300. And not only were our, not our needs met, God also showed himself to be living, living and actively involved in our lives and knowledgeable about what we needed and able to lead one of his children to give that amount to us. Now, isn't that beautiful? This is our God. He's living and active. And that's just one of a multitude of examples. All of you, I think, could come up and share at least one experience of an answer prayer, of healing or knowing someone else who got either emotionally or physically healed, of um, opening scripture one day and reading the verses that it, exactly what you needed to hear, or um, seeing God turn your rage into peace in, in a few moments. I know I have experienced God changing my angry heart to a 
peaceful heart. I'm like, how'd you do that? You have to be real. We see in scripture and in our experiences um, how present God is. So again, I ask, with, with the truth of scripture before us and these examples of God intervening in our lives, in other people's lives, why is it as followers of Christ, of children of this living God, we so often live without him or unaware of his constant presence in our lives? Why is that? You know, is it that we're unfocused? Um, I looked up that word that is a word, unfocused. Um, are too distracted? You know, we have, life overseas is a lot simpler. Nobody has calendars. They just take everything as it comes. You don't plan. If someone comes to your house, you cook dinner for them. If they leave, you go to sleep. You, uh, you, don't, you don't have like 10 things to do on Thursday and then next Wednesday and then, but here, that's not how it is in America. We have so much to keep track of, all the bills, um, um, the children's book reports, the, when you're bringing treats to school, when your aging mother needs to go to the doctor, you have to call for her test results. There's just a million things going around in our minds, a million responsibilities. Um, there's needs that we have to meet, our family's needs, aging parents' needs, someone who's sick in your church. There's so many needs that we feel like we need to meet. Uh, ministry we have to do. Um, we know, we've heard God talk about his nearness and his word. We've heard it talked about up on stage. We've heard it talked about among our friends or Bible studies. Um, yet sometimes we don't give any room for him. Um, we are just too clouded and cluttered. cluttered. Other things become more important to him and, and they crowd him out. They crowd out our, our time with him becomes very short. Um, or sleep becomes more important because we're so worn out. We just forget him, but you know he still remains present. He's still there. I ask, if we're like that, what is it that we need to clear out of our schedule? What is it that we need to say no to? Um, just like Bonnie was saying, that's a great question. God, is this what you want me to do? And if he says no, then you are free from anybody's obligations and expectations, as long as you haven't already committed to doing it. Um, we're, we're accountable to him. Well, secondly, um, is it, is it um, that we feel uncared for, that we miss out on God's presence? Maybe possibly, you know, we've experienced the nearness of God and we've really walked with him, but then some tragedy hit, something difficult happened, and we were really disappointed with God. We were really hurt, and we may blame God. We don't understand and we're confused with God. We've kind of pushed him away. Um, that happens to a lot of us, even if it happens in different seasons and differing degrees. Some of us have, it's been a long time since we've even come to church or felt comfortable even saying anything to God. Um, I knew a, a young woman who's not yet a Christian, um, but when I, when I share with her the gospel, she says, yeah, I've never heard this, wow. But she still has a glazed look over her face, and it wasn't until months and months of talking with her that um, a few of us understood that she was really bitter toward God because she had been involved in a car accident and had been wiped out and was blaming him. And we're like, thank you, God, that at least we got down to the root of it, this glazed look. Um, because she, she had said, if, I, if God ever took care of this bitterness in my heart, I would, I would be the best evangelist. And she's already inviting people to our community center at the Vineyard Columbus. She's already reaching out, but she's, that, that's, that's a wall there. You know, please know that God is still present with you, even if you're mad at him. He cares 
for you more deeply than you even know. And he understands that hurt. You think no one else understands, but he, he knows that hurt. You know, he's there. And he's still calling you to come to him. And you know, he's not harsh. He's not condemning. He's, he's just as he was when you knew him before. And he's the one who can heal and meet those deepest needs. So please, if, if you need some help in dealing with those, those pains, those, those um, things that you're struggling with, talk to someone. Talk to Penny. Talk to a small group leader. Come up for prayer because God wants to heal you and bring you on. He doesn't want you to stay there. That's not what you were created for, and you're going to be miserable the rest of your life if you stay there. Remember, the Lord, in Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And it's true. It's true. He doesn't just say that. It's true. Well, you know, we ask the question, why is it that we're not living in his presence every moment? Could it be that we're just unaware? Could it be that we're just unaware that that's what he wants? Um, do we kind of have that idea of partial deism that God set us in motion and we're supposed to just live things out ourselves? Like we often try to do as Christians, we try to do things in our own strength apart from God. Oftentimes we're just unaware. Um, maybe we know him, we know the truth up here, but it hasn't sunken down experientially. You know, knowing and believing, if I ask you what, what does knowing mean, it's something mental. Because we in America um, have like a Roman mindset, um, uh, reason and knowledge, we're a reason and knowledge based society. A lot of places around the world are more experiential. That's why they, they see more spiritual things going on. Um, but knowing and believing in a biblical sense um, is an active, and it has an active and experiential dimension to it. So when we say, I, I like if I had a chair, I know this chair will hold me because look, it's so strong and has screws are all um, screwed in and the plastic's not cracked. Okay, that's one thing. That's more of a, a Western knowledge. But when I sit in it and I say, I know this chair holds me, that's experiential. And, you know, God is a spiritual God because we're not just mind. We're soul, spirit. We have emotions. All of those things are important. And it's, it's okay to feel. And we often, I mean, we need to put our bodies where we think our faith is. You know, we can say lots of things, but it's not until we, we say, I trust God, but it's not until we say, I trust God and I give this money. I trust God and I give my time. I'm tired, but I'm still going to help someone. And you see him come through, that you're like, oh, now I know. And maybe some of us have stayed up here, and we don't feel God, and we don't know where he is because um, he wants us to step out and do what he's calling us to do. And there's one of my favorite, another favorite, I have a lot of favorite verses. Another favorite verse I have in John um, 14 talks about, um, this. Jesus says when we obey him, he will show himself to us. And he, I'll say it exactly. Jesus said, um, he who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me, and I will love him and I will show myself to him. And the Father will love him and I will show myself to him. And I, I see it like a circle. It's the right way, this way. Um, he, he tells us what to do. We see in his commands, for instance, forgive. Okay, I know I should forgive people, but you're not forgiving. So there's kind of a separation, and you're not experiencing God the way you should. So, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to obey, and I'm going to forgive this person. And then Jesus comes through and gives us peace. He gives us freedom. He gives us joy. We're like, he's showing himself, has pleasure in us obeying. And then we're like, I want to obey again because that was so great getting to know God better. You know, and, and so we do need to, we, we need to obey him. 
You know, I think probably there's some of us resisting some of the things God's telling us to do, something to give up, you know, for a long time. You know, when I eat chocolate or something sweet, um, I love it, but I feel terrible, you know, and God's been telling me, let it go. Don't, don't make those choices, and it's taken a long time for me to get around to it. Like, weaned, weaned it down to just chocolate, for instance. And then even now, when I eat M&Ms, I'm like, oh, I feel very good. You know, God's like, I know, you just need to, to obey me and just watch. And so when I do that, when I'm like, I just don't need that, God feels so good, you know. And God's like, see, I told you. And I get to satisfy that craving that you have. Um, that's just a little example, but we all have examples of things that God is calling us to do. Either we're afraid or we just don't want to. Ask him, God, help me to want to do what you want me to do, and he will. He'll do that. Um, along with being unaware, when asked, are we unaware um, of God's presence? Another question is, are we unaware that God is concerned for us? Are you, are you having a hard time believing it? This is so common among Christians. It's a very common lie we believe. Um, the enemy of our souls, who is Satan, wants to keep us from fellowship with God any way he can. He's a liar and he's a deceiver. And he tells us that we're not good enough. We haven't quite done enough. We haven't... We're not like that leader over there, that small group leader. She meets three times a week, we only meet two. I mean, three times a month, we only eat two. Or she prepares much longer than I do. She prays more for her people than I do. Or, um, oh, all sorts of things. I didn't read my Bible all week. I don't think God's really going to want to hear me or he doesn't hear me. You know, I can't come up with all the things that you hear. But I know, um, all the examples, but I know what a common lie is I'm not good enough. Or... I haven't done enough, or I'm not worthy enough. And those are lies. God would never say that to you. And of course we're not worthy. Of course you're not worthy. I'm not worthy. So, I mean, in a sense it's true, but the effect of it that has on us is the wrong effect. We are not worthy of anything, but it's not based on us. It's based on God. And we praise him for how great and awesome he is. And we got to believe that his awesomeness includes his loving of us and wanting to be with us even when we're not good enough and are under whose standards, our own standards, what we think other people think. You know, if God is specifically pointing to something in your life, some sin, then it's clear we need to confess it. We need to um, turn away from it. Sometimes we need to get other people involved to help us with that. That's no shame in that. We all sin. We all struggle. That's doable to deal with. But if you are feeling like a vague sense of God's displeasure or a vague sense of unworthiness, it's just kind of nagging at you, ask God about it. God, are you telling me something? But usually when it's a vague sense and there's nothing clear he's showing you, that's Satan. And he's so sly. We know that. He is so sly. Sometimes I just feel a certain way. I'm feeling down. Like, why is that? I can't put my finger on it. I'm like, well, there's no reason for it. And Satan's just trying to pull me away from God and feel bad about myself. So please recognize that. If it's clear, deal with it. You know, 1 John 1, 9, if, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's, then it's done. And we are in the presence of God again, even if you've been away for a year. 
you were instantly, you were always in the presence of God, but you're, you're right with him. And nothing, you can't, um, Satan can't say anything is between you. One other reason I, I thought of that we're not experiencing the presence of God and, and how he, the way he desires us to is what I call the illusion of self-sufficiency. This can look lots of different ways. Um, but basically, I, I think it's when we don't realize our moment-by-moment need for him or we don't want to acknowledge this need. This can hit some sensitive places in us because, um, you know, the world tells us to be strong, to be tough, to handle our own responsibilities, especially in America. Like, I've been out of the country so I can see the things in America a little bit more clearly from an outside point of view. Um, you know, responsibility is valued. I'm always telling my kids, you need to be responsible. You know, a responsible little girl will pick up her toys after she's playing with them. You know, sometimes I hear myself saying that. I'm like, oh, I'm saying that a lot. And to me, it's very important to me for myself to be responsible. Um, we think, sure, God is there sometimes. Um, we think this. But it's my responsibility to live my life. Um, you know, I realize that some of us have grown up in really difficult situations where we had to take responsibility for our siblings, um, for our families, um, single parents um, have to do that, thinking I have to be responsible if no one, no one else will be if I don't, if I'm not. And it, this kind of can carry over into our spiritual life with God. But please know that God understands. He understands what you've been through and what you've taken on yourself. And he is sufficient for you. That's what he wants you to know. And he wants to help you find deep rest in him. He wants you to take that responsibility and put it on him and say, okay, God, you see that I'm responsible for these people or this if you're head of an organization. You know, some of you are principals and you have a lot of responsibility. Um, put that over on him and learn to let him be the one who fights on your behalf. Did you know that God wants to fight on your behalf? Sometimes we get so weary because we're fighting so hard. You know, and sometimes we're fighting for someone else. You know, a, a mentally challenged child. Um, you know, my little daughter was in a preschool where she was new to America. She had been adopted. And every time I came to class, the teacher would say, yeah, this is what she did today. And I started getting really scared to go to class. I'm like, what's she going to say? Maybe I can take my daughter out of school. Maybe I can homeschool her. You know, all these thoughts came to my mind. And... You know, the Lord says, I am with you. You're not going alone. Let me, let me help you to handle it. Let me tell you, your daughter is learning. She's four. How old was she? Four and a half. She's just learning. It's okay. Probably all the other kids in the class are doing the same things. You know, but that's, make, that's what the presence of God, that's the difference it makes, he makes, um, to be able to help you handle those kind of situations. So just remember, he wants to fight on your behalf. And you know, we really need him. Also, another thing in America that I've learned is um, it's looked down upon to be needy. We get bothered by needy people who keep calling or keep asking for money or this or that. But you know what? We all really are needy. We're really, really needy. Um, there was a, a young woman in my kid's school, a, a student, um, a teenager, who um, is in a wheelchair. And she can move her hand and she can move her head a little bit, but that's it. And for the school um, talent show, 
She's saying to him, I need you. Oh, how I need you. Every hour I need you. She, I wish I could have had her video. Um, you, could, you couldn't understand her fully because she couldn't speak very clearly. What a perfect example. She knew she needed God. She was desperately in need of God. But I said, that's really us. We just cover it up really well. And even before God, you know, God wants us to cry out to him and say, I need you. You know, one of the things, one of my prayers when I wake up every morning now, because I have a six-year-old who really can express herself verbally and is very, um, can be very grumpy in the morning, and my boys were not like this. Um, so <laughs> parenting humbles you. I used to always say, why, are those, why don't those parents tell their kids not to yell at the table. And then I have my own children and uh, realize it's a lot harder than it looks. Um, but one of my pray- the first things I pray, God, I want to lovingly help my children get ready for school. I want it to be them to leave the home peacefully knowing they're secure and my love. So help me, help me. I just cry out to him, help me. I need your grace and I need you to help me when she's whining in her room, not getting dressed, and we have three minutes to get out the door. (laughs) Help me. And um, it's okay. It's okay. We are needy. Um, You know, we don't want all those needs to overflow on everyone around us all the time. But we can go to certain people for certain things that we need help with, but we especially can go to God. And he doesn't look down on us. He doesn't look in scorn like, oh, you're back. You're asking me for that again. No, he's like, I know you need it. Come. I want to give it to you. Um, you know, the other night I had to, at 9 o'clock, my, I knew the toilet needed plunging. And um, I was just in the living room relaxing after my kids were in their rooms. And my, I heard my son go to the bathroom. I said, don't flush it. Well, you know, he learned well from me the habit of flushing the toilet after every time you go. I'm, and he flushed. He's like, Mom, I'm sorry. So it's overflowing. I'm so tired. So I had to get in there and mop and wring out the towel and get the sanitizing wipes out and I was like oh, I told him not to do that I, you know and then I'm mad at myself for not plunging and you know I was like Jesus I need you I don't want to be grumpy I don't want to hear him complain he feels bad as it is I need you and you know he turned my heart around so that I could do that with joy and just serve my family this is how he he works he works he's ever-present um, he's an ever-present help in trouble So let's take a few minutes to look at a few passages. The first one is in, um, I I know what it is, Genesis, Genesis 16, because I just had the verse number here. This is about um, Abraham and Sarah. Okay, so we've been around church, we've read our Bibles, we know Abraham and Sarah. God had promised them a son. They were very old, um, way past childbearing years, and... Sarah had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. They had already gone out into the desert um, in the middle of nowhere, and they were waiting for God to fulfill that promise. They waited so long that Sarah came up with her own plan. Here, Abraham, take my um, slave, Hagar, sleep with her, and let her bear children for me. And Abraham agreed. um, But when once Hagar became pregnant, Sarah despised her. And I imagine that was deep jealousy and hatred. It's despise, that's a pretty strong word. So she got permission from her husband to do whatever she wanted with her, and she mistreated her. And so she had her husband's permission. There was no accountability. 
There was no laws protecting Hagar. Um, we can only guess. I, I've been in the Middle East, and I, you know, in that part of the world, especially in the hot climates, it's this lot of harshness, harsh talk, yelling at kids. So I can only imagine how Hagar was treated. Um, and so she ran away. And so, um, do you have that verse you can put up there? Genesis 16, I believe. Okay, so we pick up in verse 7. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was a spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, that's Sarah, before her name was changed. Where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard your misery. Did you notice what God said to her? Um, the Lord has heard your misery. The, the rest of the um, 13 through 14 says, she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Beer Lahai Roy. It's still there between Kadesh and Barad. Ishmael means God hears. And Beer Lahai Roy means the well of the living one who sees me. This is our God. Did you know that about him? That God hears and God sees he sees your circumstances. He sees your weeping in the middle of the night. He sees the turmoil that's going on inside of you. Um, he sees your past and what you've been through because he was there. It's interesting to me. Um, according to God's character, we can know that Hagar was always, I mean, God was always seeing Hagar. There wasn't a time when he wasn't seeing her. But in this circumstance, something clicked in her. Um, now she understood this truth. And sometimes it, we need a shift or a click um, to understand, yes, God is present and he has seen me. That meant so much to her that she was able to return to this terrible situation. Um, she had God's promise that her descendants were going to be numerous. She was pregnant, but, but even more so, she knew God had seen her in that really trying situation. In another um, instance, most of us are familiar with um, God sending the plagues on Egypt you know, when the Israelites were slaves there. Um, Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt, had um, been mistreating God's people who were slaves there, and they had been slaves there for 400 years, and he wouldn't let them lead, leave. Um, in the passage I'm reading, the Lord is talking with Moses about the circumstances. So let's see what we learn of God's heart and where he is in the picture. This is Exodus 3, 7 through 9. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the land of the Egyptians to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So again, God saw their suffering. He heard their cries. He was concerned about their suffering, and he came down to rescue them. That's the same God who feels the same way about us. You know, I hope that it's sinking in and that we're beginning to believe it because I, I know right now Satan is telling many of you, but not you. Not you. You've done too much wrong. You're too far away from him. Don't listen to those lies. Listen to God's truth. You know, some of us, 
Those Israelites were suffering for a long, long time. 400 years is a lot. We were kept in the country. We were overseas for two years. And I was so weary. That felt like forever. But 400 years, that's a lot. Um, and it's imaginable to think that they, the questions came to mind. God, where are you? Do you care? Are you going to do anything to help me? Um, and we may feel that sometimes, too. We may have felt that way. Maybe we feel that way now. Um, when I was a young Christian, I remember one day suddenly becoming worried with the question, God, um, I mean, what if this God who I'm believing in and trusting in and telling people about isn't real? Every once in a while, those thoughts will come to your mind, came to my mind. Um, and it was beautiful, the answer God gave me. You know, whether you believe that I'm real or not, I am. I still am. And what a beautiful realization that our belief in or doubt of God doesn't change a thing about him. No one's belief, no one's proclamation, God is dead, you know, God is not involved in this world. None of anything they can say changes the fact that God is. And that's a beautiful, freeing thought. We can never, in our anger at him or unbelief, um, make him go away. You know, God is present we can, when we can see his hand in our lives or other people's lives and when we can't. When we can hear him and when we can't. When we feel him and even when we don't. Um, you know, some of us, like I said, have been struggling for a long time because of heavy and really difficult circumstances. Because of poor choices other people in our lives have made. We're feeling the consequences of them or because of poor choices we ourselves have made. But remember that our, that doesn't change our God and our God, God is the same. He's the same God who saw Hagar, and he sees and understands our suffering. I know I'm repeating that again and again, but I think it takes time to sink in sometimes. Um, and like Hagar, are we, we see our hard circumstances and everything we go through, but are we aware that God is seeing us? So when we begin to understand and believe that God is aware of us, that he hears us, that he's present with us through all those verses and examples I've given, um, what does this produce in us? What does that do in us? Um, first of all, the first thing that came to my mind was worship. Um, do you remember how God spoke to Moses about his concern for the Israelites? Well, look at what happened when Moses and his helper brother, Aaron, um, told the Israelite leaders about that. That's Exodus 4, 29 through 31. If you could put that up, you have it up. Thanks. Moses and Aaron brought together all the elders of the Israelites, and Aaron told them everything the Lord had said to Moses. He also performed the signs before the people, and they believed. When they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their ministry, they bowed down and worshiped. And what an appropriate, beautiful response. Like, wow, thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you for being with me. Jesus, thank you for paying the price that I could come into your presence and be with you in this really hard world. A second response we can have, um, should have, is repentance. If we realize that we're not in a right relationship with God or we've chosen to depend on other things beside him or go to other things beside him, is repentance. You know, and repentance sounds like a big religious word. I remember in seventh grade, um, CCD, which is Catholic Sunday School, my, my uh, teacher saying, repent. He was acting out a scene from the Bible, and I just remember going, whoa. But, you know, repentance simply means turning around. We were going this way. Our hearts have been hard, or we've been ignoring God, and we turn around to him. It's that easy. Please believe how easy it is. You don't have to do penance, hit yourself, or 
pray for 10 hours or whatever. You don't have to do that because Jesus has opened the way. That's something that's really important for us to believe. Um, he's ready and willing with his arms open wide, and that's a beautiful thing about our God. He told us he would always be with us and never leave us or forsake us, and that includes when we're sinning. He is with us when we're choosing wrong. He's grieved. He's so grieved. First of all, because we're rebelling against him, and second of all, because he knows the effects it will have on us and the effects it will have on somebody else. But he doesn't leave us, and that's a really beautiful thing that he's willing to be with us in those things. But he always provides a way out. Corinthians tells us, Paul tells us in Corinthians that he, when we're tempted, he always provides a way out. So if we're, if we're in his sin and we realize this, oh, God, you are with me, um, what, how do I get out of this? What do I do? Um, but he doesn't leave us. And there's another slide, um, verse 1 John 1, 9. I already told you this, but this is, a, this is something to memorize and, and let the Spirit bring it to mind. Um, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In my notes, I wrote, yay, that's great. I'm so happy about that. <laughs> that's because we need forgiveness so bad. Um, you know, so just as that young woman sang that song, I need you, oh, how I need you, every hour I need you, we need to learn to cry out to God. Um, I had never, I had known that for maybe the first half of my Christian life. Um, then I started going to the vineyard and I saw people just allowing themselves to be broken before God, even broken before other people, and just weep and say, I need you. And I was like, whoa, we can do that? I don't have to be embarrassed. Um, whether in front of other people or just in the presence of God, it doesn't matter. We, we, we need to cry out to him. Um, cry out for an awareness of his presence. God, let me become aware of his presence, of your presence. And you know, he's going to respond because he wants it more than we do. Another response to, besides worship and um, repentance, is obedience. Remember how God told Hagar, go back. Go back to be with um, your, your handmaid, your Sarai, Sarah. Um, Hagar understood that God had seen her and she had heard from him, and that's what enabled her to be able to go back because she wasn't going back alone. She was going back with the presence of God. And um, another thing that's beautiful is it's much easier to obey when God is there giving us the strength. And it's harder to sin when we're aware that he's right there. Um, it makes it a little bit harder in a good way. It's good. It's good that God sees us all the time. It's good we can go nowhere from his presence. Um, sometimes we want to hide, but it's good because it's for our good. Another thing that God's presence gives us is courage. Do you remember um, when Peter denied Jesus three times? He was timid and didn't have the strength to um, stand up for, for his, his love and belief in Jesus. But after the resurrection, when the Holy Spirit came on them, he was so bold. He proclaimed who Jesus was. He, went, he proclaimed the opposite of what the, all the religious leaders wanted to hear, that Jesus is the way and the truth and life, and he is God. And um, he, for that, to thousands of people on the streets, God's presence empowers us to do what he's called us to, whether it's something mundane or something that seems amazing. Um, when, I, when we were going through the persecution we were going through, I had to go before a judge. And my husband said, do you realize who that judge was? 
not only was he hostile toward the U.S., he was hostile toward Christians. He had a low view of women. You were going into his turf. You were on his turf in the courtroom. And oftentimes a judge was wanting you to beg for mercy, and they could say, oh, okay, I'll reduce your sentence. And it makes them feel like they're being merciful. And I was doing none of that. Um, yet God led me. Like the, when I was walking to his office, I was trembling because I felt like I was saying, this is the day. And I was able to share the whole gospel with him. I prayed, that, I prayed in Jesus' name that the fear of God would fall upon him so that he would act justly. And I was able to tell him to set us free. Now, I don't say that. like I wasn't, I'm not an extraordinarily brave person. Um, but God was so present. And the presence of God allows us to do these things that are far beyond. Or far beyond. Like, you think of the, the um, woman who says yes to adopting her ninth child with, with Down syndrome or a physical handicap. I go, wow, I can never do that. You know, but it's not her, her strength, it's the strength God gives her. Um, the last thing that I think God enables us to do when we're really aware of his presence is to serve him well. You know, we have a huge God behind us. We have a God who is full of all the resources that we would, could ever need. And as we spend time in his word and become more aware of, his, aware of and responsive to his presence, we will recognize more and more how he, like in Ephesians 2.10, says he's leading us into the good works he's already prepared us to do. And he's leading us on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. There's so much that he wants to do in the lives of people that he, Jesus says, are you going to come with me? Are you going to come with me? Come. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be hard, but I'm, I'm going to give you everything you need. Um, you know, we feel the Holy Spirit urging us to obey. And he is there to give us everything that we need. And I know these things stir within you. You want, you want to step out. You want to tell people about God, even if it's just a little bit of desire. And you, you want to tell the truth, and you want to do what's right, and you want to impact this world for God's kingdom. And if you don't, I, I pray that God would just root that desire deep within you. But I think pretty much all of you um, want to, want to do that. And of course, there's lies that Satan tells us. He just tries to discourage us. But you know, with God's presence, you know that, that verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I used to hear it, people say it, like, okay, I can do this. I can take care of this problem. I can do this with, all, through, with the strength he gives me. But as I started thinking about God's presence, a little bit different than that. It's not like he says, here's the strength, now go at it. You know, your coach says, you can do it, gives you the patent, sends you out into the field. No, he's right there out there with us. I can do all things through him who's, who is constantly, moment by moment, strengthening me, giving me everything I need, and that's walking in his presence, and that's what he wants. He doesn't want us to read our Bible, well, these are great verses, and thank you, God, for, for being with me, and then go off, I'm going to go conquer the world, I'm going to be kind to my coworkers, I'm going to do my job well. And he says, come, I want to go with you. I am with you. Just be aware that I'm with you. And um, it's an exciting privilege and responsibility as God's children is to be with him when he's working in people's lives and he's spreading his kingdom. Please, please know that. And I pray God stirs that excitement in you. You know, we often see people with those bracelets, WWJD. You know, what would Jesus do? But I like to turn that around and say, not what would Jesus do, but what is Jesus doing? Our active living, God is presently engaged in people's lives and the circumstances we are in. Even better is asking Jesus, what are you doing and how can I join you? 
You know, we see someone coughing, coughing at the bookstore, looking at coughing, coughing. Jesus, what are you doing right now? I'm hearing your presence. I think that you're wanting to, to me to pray for this person so they can feel your presence or, or be healed. The other day, I, I went to, with my little daughter to UDF, and there was a young man um, smiling at my little daughter. He was the cashier and probably about 21, and I could tell he was just delighted in her. She was being cute. And I just felt like God say, you need to tell him that I love him. Uh, and I, I, I was like, I want to tell my daughter to tell him. I'm like, no, what am I doing? <laughs> I need to tell him. So I just looked at him and I said, you know, I, f- I feel like God wants you to know that he really loves you. He just looked at me. And I said, he, he, he wants you to know that he loves you. And he said, thanks. You know, and I needed God's courage to do that. You know, it's not something, I mean, it wasn't like talking to this judge. But I still needed his courage to do that. And um, I want to put up a verse, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. This verse is in the context of giving, giving money. Um, and Paul is saying to a group of people, you're doing a great job giving, and how much you're giving is, is proclaiming God's name. People are thanking God because of you. But the, the principle in the verse applies to God's character. It says, and God is able to bless you abundantly or make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. I cling to this in all things, at all times, having all you need. You're going to abound in, in, in good works. Um, what do you need? Do you need physical energy? Do you need time? Do you need wisdom? Do you need love? Do you need courage? Do you need desire? Do you need resources or patience? Call on him because he said, I'm going to make it all abound to you so you can do what I've called you to do. So... Um, Let's remember what God says in his word, that in him and through faith in him we may approach God with freedom and confidence. And let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of needs. Come boldly, come confidently, right into the presence of God. You know, before, um, before I started, when we were worshiping, I had this picture of um, a hallway um, that was leading to an open door, but we couldn't, couldn't see the open door because it was full of darkness, fear, doubt, shame, um, lies, unbelief, anxiety, and it wasn't allowing us to get to that place, some of us to get to that place. And out of that room came a bright light, and Jesus pushed all of those things away, and he took, took the hand of the person standing there and brought them into God's presence. To come with me into God's presence. Stay here. I think the Lord really wants to set some of us free tonight from the things that are keeping us from him. You know, I, I talked about some, some everyday challenges that we go through, you know, and some of us are going through really, really hard things. And I'll, I can tell you that God's grace is still abundant for you too. And it's not going to last forever. It's a season. And you're going to get to know him if you press into him in a way that you never would have been able to unless the difficult times came. Not that he brought them, but he works through them. So what I'd like us to do is um, just sit for a moment and let, and just close your eyes and listen to the Lord and see if he is highlighting um, any lie that you're believing or anything you feel like is keeping you from him. Father, I pray that you would reveal, you would shine your light, 
and reveal, reveal the things that you no longer want to be between us and you. Lord, I pray that we would begin to believe that you jealously desire us. You deeply want us. And you would love to spend every moment of our lives with us. You are, but you want us to be aware. And it won't always be power encounters and prophetic words. It's sometimes just very quiet. Um, sometimes just a sense of security. It's, it's all of those things. But we need you to wipe away the lies that we are um, believing that keep us from accepting that truth. we could have the worship team come up and a few words came to my mind for a few people and Penny I don't know if you want to come up too um, the woman back there with the white shirt you <laughs> could you stand up for a second if you feel comfortable I won't embarrass you when I came in tonight um, I felt like I wanted you to know that he hasn't forgotten you He hasn't forgotten you. You may have felt that way. Satan may be trying to make you feel that way. But he has not forgotten you one second. So, Lord, I just pray that you would um, bless my sister and let her feel um, your presence in a way she's never felt it before. And let her know the time she's felt forgotten that you were so present. And the woman with the blue shirt on, with black curly hair. You, <laughs> hi. Can you stand? Do you mind standing up? What's your name? Sharon. Sherry. Sherry. Okay. Um, I felt like um, that you were hearing lies um, about who you are and who God's called you to be and what he's called you to be and the things that he is... Um, He's put desires in you that he wants, things that he wants you to do. And Satan's trying really hard for you not to, to believe those things, to discourage you and say, no. So I, I kind of saw a helmet on your head. And that helmet um, is like covering your ears. So that any lies that, you, that he wants to tell you, you're not going to hear. And any lies that he's told you, you know, I just I will pray for you right now. Um, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would break off those lies, that you would show her one by one which of those things that have been floating around mm -hmm. in her mind that she has even kind of just accepted and didn't mm -hmm. even realize that they were lies, um, that she's been walking in and living in, that you would um, mm -hmm. just wash them from her mind and speak mm -hmm. your truth, God. I, as those things move out of the way, you're, um, what you say who she is, and what you say, what, you, what call you have on her mm -hmm. life and the things that you want her to do, that's what mm -hmm. she would hear. She would only hear your voice. We praise you, Lord God. Thank mm -hmm. you. And just, Lord, help her to put that, put that, 
helmet of salvation, that truth um, over your ears and, and really ask God that, so that you can um, know his voice to be able to discern what is not of him. And don't give those thoughts one second when they come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. There's one other person. I have to find her. I saw her last night. <laughs> Where is she? Hmm. I might have to find her later. Did you have anything? Yeah, I do. While you're hearing and listening. Uh, you know, Laura, I saw, um, I was sitting over here during worship, or actually, no, during the teaching, and I just looked over, and I saw you on a racetrack. It was like like with the horses, but you, you it was kind of like you, you were a horse in the picture. I know this sounds kind of weird. It, sometimes in your mind's eye, the Lord will give you like a picture. And it was like you were just raring at the starting. You know how horses just want to go? And you that was you. You were just, die, you were like more than any of the horses just dying to get out there and run. And I felt like the Lord said that that was what he's placed within your heart. He has placed within your heart just this almost like a fire within you to follow him and to serve him and to go after the things of God. And that is uh, something from the Lord. And one of the things that you Mm. need to know is that you are responding. You're responding to that, what what God has placed within you. You're responding. And he wants you to know he is so pleased with you as his daughter. You are his daughter, and he ordained you to be your, your conception, your birth, you being here on this earth. God ordained that. He placed that within you, and he's saying, well done, my daughter. You're responding. And things are going to open up, and they're going to become very, very clear in time what what the next step is but he is he's put that uh, uh, that desire to go (laughs) does that make sense okay yeah you're you're doing you're doing good (laughs) good girl (laughs) sorry about that um um, you put the black on right here Uh uh-huh yes what's your name tanya Tanya. oh yes i did meet you tanya um when i saw you the other night um the, the sense that I got was either you, you had been hearing people say things about you that were hurtful. Um, does that make sense? Um, mocking, um, talking behind your back, um, and that the Lord just wants to touch you in that pain and encourage you not to pay one bit of attention to it. Not one bit of attention to it because it doesn't matter at all. Mm. Who he has made you to be is just who he made you to be. Mm-hmm. And his calling on you is his calling on you. And no one can question the servant of the Lord. Um, so let me just pray for you. Lord, mm-hmm. I pray for Tanya right now. Right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you that you're a, you are the God who sees. You see. Mm-hmm. You saw what was happening to her. And you um, mm-hmm. jealously defend her. If, she, if she, you are for her, who can be against her? And those words mean nothing. We cancel the effects of every mocking word from childhood, any kind of teasing, mocking, talking behind her backs uh, about something about her, um, her character, her looks, her actions, her words, anything. Um, we break the power of those mm-hmm. over her in That's Jesus' name. And it. we set her free, God. We mm-hmm. set her free to be free from the... Um, 
effects of the talk of man or the opinions of man. Break it. And set free to embrace everything mm -hmm. that you say about her that is true and good and right. Mm -hmm. Bless her, Lord God. Bless and and I pray her. this would be a turning point for her. Mm -hmm. that she would begin to walk in that freedom that mm -hmm. she wouldn't even hear. And if she did hear, that it would, it would just not matter at all because she's just make her so secure in you, God. Remind her daily, you're mine, you're mine, you're mine. Mm -hmm. Praise you, God. Thank mm -hmm. you. Mm. Yeah. And also, I, the, I can't see you very well from up here, but you have blonde hair. You know, you just... Don't, you looked away. Look, you've got a white and black top on and long blonde hair. Could you just stand up for a moment? I, I don't know your name. What is your name? Amanda. I saw a really cool thing. The minute I walked up here, I was thinking about Laura over there because I saw that picture over her. But I saw something just like, boom, out of the side of my eye. And I caught, you caught me. And the Lord, it was like a light was just shining down on you. And I saw him take a big suitcase and put it in your hand. And you, you took hmm. it. And you're holding it. And what it represented was um, the your prayers that you've prayed, you, he's heard your prayers. Mm. He has heard your prayers, and you need to know that. You need to believe that. And sometimes you've wondered, does he hear me? Does he hear me? I, I've cried out over and over again, does he hear me? And so it's easy to feel that way, but the Lord wants you to know he has heard your prayers. He's seen you, and he's heard your prayers. And he's placed that suitcase, and as you open it, there were all these really cool things in the suitcase. They were answers to your prayers. They were blessings from God. And I think that represented what God is, how he's going to bless your life. You keep following him. You keep pursuing him. And he's going to bless you. And as you open that, that that's going to be open to you. And the Lord's going to start showing you what the good things, the good gifts in that suitcase are. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? I know sometimes you have to think on it for a while, but it was really vivid. Let's just bless her. It, mm -hmm. Just stick, extend your hands toward mm -hmm. her and let's just bless her with the future. There's good things coming your way. God, we bless Amanda now. Mm -hmm. We bless her. Thank you that she's cried out to you. And Lord, we pray that the cry of her heart would be answered. And Lord, I pray that there would be faith released upon her to know after this night that you have heard her prayers. Mm -hmm. You've heard her prayers. And I pray that the unfolding of the answers would begin coming, would be coming soon. And she would say, oh, I see. I see. There it is. There it is. There it is. Bless her in the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Um, the woman with the white sweatshirt, yes, you with glasses, yes, you, <laughs> what's your name? Sandy. Hi, Sandy, good to meet you. Um, you know, when, when people look at a woman who's older with white hair, they think of wisdom, but I think it's not just a coincidence that that's what I thought of when I saw you. People may naturally see that, but I think that the Lord wants you to really know that through all your years of experience and the time that you've walked with him on this earth, he, he has um, put a lot of wisdom in you. You've gained a lot from daily walking with him. Um, how long have you been a Christian? Seems like forever. Seems like forever. You know those, those times when you've gone to church, when you've 
spent time with him, you've prayed, you've opened your Bible, he was just building and building and building and building into you. And um, I don't know if you doubt, um, if there's any doubt that, God, can I do anything? Can I be of any use? I, I just confirmed that he's saying, yes, yes, yes. The body of Christ needs you, needs um, for you to be available to him, to, for him to, to overflow from you to others around. Don't ever doubt that, don't doubt anymore to the end of your days that God um, wants to build his kingdom through you. He wants you to, to be with him in reaching people and he's going to lead you and guide you. Fears may come up. Oh, I might not have enough energy. I might not know what to say. And who's going to listen to me? Those kind of are just lies from the evil one. If you just hear him, he will give you your assignments. Mm -hmm. And you just faithfully walk in those assignments and call on him to give you everything that you need. And he's going to be everything that you need. And you're going to get to just experience the like gems falling off your fingers and, and like, flowing like water, um, blessing people. You just need to be faithful, and he's the one who's going to help you be faithful. Mm, amen. So, Lord, we pray for our sister Sandy, and we say, let it be. Bless May her. many, Bless many, her. many be blessed through her, through all that you have built into her, God. And I, I just put a wall um, up around her, a hedge of protection around her from the lies of the evil one who would want to discourage her and tell her, no, you're of mm -hmm. no use. Those are lies. Mm -hmm. She is of great value to you. And mm -hmm. you are taking her hand and saying, come with me, because there's still so much more work that he wants to do through you. So many day, people he daily wants to bless, like a day, on a daily basis. And he's going to give you your assignments. Lord, just give her, make them very simple and clear so that she has no doubt that they're from you. Thank you. Thank you for our mm -hmm. sister, God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let me just say something there. You know, sometimes God moves like this. And this is, you know, we don't always have ministry time like this, right? A lot of you know, and sometimes this is different. This is the way God's moving tonight. And oftentimes when there's words like this given, it, there's like an overflow to everyone in the room. Mm -hmm. It's like we receive this. You know, it's like, wow, I want that. Well, take it, take it. Mm -hmm. I feel like God's just here saying, I'm just spreading these things out all mm -hmm. over the room. I'm spreading blessing. If there's something that resonates with you, take it, take it. It's not just for the ones that are being called out. It's mm -hmm. for everyone in the room. If it re resonates, just receive it. Let your spirit receive it. I have something else here there's there's three asian gals right here right here that you three do you know who i'm talking about yeah could, could you stand up right there god has something for you i um you know i see god's presence all over all three of you i see the presence of god just resting on you He's resting on all three of you. And it's no accident that God brought you to the United States for a season. God brought you. You may be thinking that it was for study or something else, but the Lord wants you to know that his hand was in that. He was moving and, and, and bringing you here for a reason. And there's things I just see him just impart. He's depositing, he's downloading things in your heart and in your soul while you're here and just receive everything that God has 
in your life. Now, are you here long term? Are you here? Are you going back to your countries? You're going back? Long term, okay. Well, whatever he's downloading in you, it, it's from the hand of God, and just receive it. Receive it. God has blessings for your life. This, this download from him. Could some of you around these three girls just begin to just bless the presence of God on them? The blessing of God is on you, the presence of God. Mm -hmm. And just receive, just, just relax and receive and let, let God just bless you. We just speak blessing. In fact, just yes. lift your hand and bless these girls. We bless you. We bless you in the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Let the blessing of Jesus come to you. Receive. Let the blessing of Jesus. And I just pray right now that their hearts and their eyes would be opened, the veil would be removed, and that you would pour blessing upon them. I just see blessing all just swirling all around you. Bless them, Lord. Bless them. I also think that the Lord wants you to know, see, I do see you. Mm -hmm. I see, I do, I do, I see you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep seeing you. It's not going to stop. Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep seeing your needs. I'm going to keep meeting your needs. Just keep responding to him. Keep mm -hmm. saying yes. Keep thanking him. Keep worshiping him. Mm -hmm. It's just going to keep going. Thank you, God. I think maybe for some of you, you've never seen, um, this is called the prophetic ministry, and you've never seen this happen, or maybe you've seen it, but you're still pretty, pretty doubtful. I think that one reason why God is giving us specific words for people tonight is to show you how present he really is and how he knows. The first time I ever heard this kind of, um, when I was in uh, college up in um, Chicago, first time I ever saw this happen, I was like, <laughs> because you are really present and you really know. And how did you, wow. You, you showed someone what's going on deep inside somebody else. And let that be another confirmation that God is present. He's present and very active and involved in us. And he knows and he sees and he hears. Cheryl, something came to mind for you. <laughs> Cheryl's my neighbor. That's why I know her name already. Um, I feel like the Lord wanted to just... Um, Take off the discouragement that is settled on you. Have you guys ever seen those, um, have you seen those little peg boards and you can put your hand in it and the impression stays there? You put your face in it and you turn around and it's got the face impression. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's a toy. It has all these little pegs and if you press into it, it the impression is there. And I feel like discouragement has come upon you and it's like taken form over you and kind of settled in. And um, I think the Lord's saying it's time for that to come off. You know, and on your part, it's a releasing because we get used to things being a certain way um, and also a trusting that, you know, when you take that off, because when we're used to things being a certain way, sometimes we feel a little insecure when they change. But um, he really wants to take that off and replace it um, with a robe of righteousness, with a mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting, um, like it says in Isaiah 61. So, Lord, I just, if you put, please, 
Everyone, bless her. Father, we pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would break off discouragement by the authority of Jesus Christ, the authority that you have given me and you're giving all of us. We break Satan's work in her life. And that might feel heavy and settled and fit and almost comfortable, but we, we take it off like a mold even. We take it off, we break it in Jesus' name, and we proclaim your freedom for Cheryl. Freedom from discouragement, Lord, that, that will not be the first way her thoughts go. Or, um, yeah, Lord, you would replace her with, with hope and with joy. Pour out your hope and joy upon her, God. And just like spring's coming, I, I just pray that that would just be symbolic of a new, a new season of hope and of joy. I love the seasons that you give us, Lord, because it reminds us that things don't stay the same. And I thank you that you're a God who restores and who changes. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Just keep working in here. I know you're not going to stop until your work is complete, God. Mm-hmm. And I, that joy, Lord, I pray, will, will overflow and bless many people. We, you know, we have, this is one last thing, and then we're going to go ahead and end. It's getting late here. But I just, for Lori Johnson and Rhonda, you too, <laughs> don't look away. <laughs> you went, <"Phew." laughs> No, actually, God, I, I saw a picture of you two at a shooting range, the two of you together. And y'all were just, you know, standing, like, you know, shooting away. And... Um, you looked really strong, really powerful in my mind's eye. Mm-hmm. And I know you two have been through the fire. Both of you have. Mm-hmm. And the Lord is going to turn that around and make you both strong. I mean, mighty, mighty women of valor, what you have walked through. Because you've been faithful to the Lord. You both have been faithful, even though life has been really really hard what you've had to both walk through it's different but it's been very difficult it hasn't been easy but the Lord is going to make you into he's going to take all of that and he's going to do the Romans 8 you know 28 that he's going to work all things together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes he's going to use this for your good, both of your good, but there's a strengthening. There's a real strengthening that has taken place in you, and it was like you were both real strong, and you were both aiming and, and hitting the you know the bullseye of the target. Your aim has been straightened just with your walk, and you're going to see that the older you get, that God has used this, and just what you're doing. There's going to be much more of a single-mindedness in your walk with him. It's been hard, but he is going to use it. And it's going to start making sense, not totally, but it's going to start making sense that God is definitely using this to build you both up. And so can we just bless you and pray for you? Lord, we thank you for Lori. We thank you for Rhonda, that they have walked through the fire and they have been faithful servants even though they i'm sure they don't feel faithful they have continued to follow you and not waver they haven't given in to things of the world they've continued to press in the lord is so pleased that you've done that and so lord we take those things we take the the painful things 
We take just the sickness that Lori has endured with her husband, the disappointments, the hardship that this has caused. We take that now. And, and the enemy meant it for evil, but God means it for good in your life. God means it for good. And Rhonda, the same suffering that you've walked through, a little bit different, but God, the enemy meant it for evil. He wanted to destroy you, but you have become a strong woman of God, and God meant it for good. And so we pray for more strength, more strength. Just receive it, more strength. We pray that they would become just mighty women of valor. Mm -hmm. Strengthen them now. Bring encouragement to these two women now. Bring encouragement, Lord. Let the encouragement that only the Holy Spirit can give come upon you both. Mm -hmm. Just receive that encouragement. Mm -hmm. Receive it. Mm. Amen. Well, we're going to go ahead and end tonight. It's getting late, but why don't you all stand up and we're going to just receive the blessing of the Lord. And like I said, just anything that was said tonight that resonated in your spirit, just receive it. It's like an invitation from the Lord for all of you. Just take it. Take it and receive and come back in the morning at eight o'clock. We're going to really have, this is just the beginning. So we're going to have a lot more ministry going on tomorrow. So we'll have plenty of time to pray for each other and see all kinds of good things happen. So just receive, open your hands and receive the blessing of the Lord. Lord, we thank you so much for your ministry tonight. We thank you for the good things that you have done. Lord, I pray that the words that were spoken tonight from Jen, the word of God would go deeply in our hearts and we would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you see us, Lord. You see us and that you know us and that you're always with us. Lord, build us up. And I pray that even tonight as we sleep, as we go our separate ways and as we sleep, that you would even speak to us through the night, mm -hmm. that you would give us dreams from you, that you would whisper in our ear. Just speak to us all through the night. And Lord, I pray that we would all come tomorrow with good things to give to one another. Mm -hmm. Come, Holy Spirit. And we say, be blessed in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. And come back. We have got breakfast from 8 to 9 in the morning.